This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and now I'm tuned in to the new TNN. You know, guys, I haven't always been a podcaster. Uh, I was a hockey player, a pro golfer, and a janitor. But even though Tuesday's gone with the wind, it's not because you're listening to the new TNN podcast feed. My name is Johnny C, and this is Bright Man, where today we're going to talk about this Tuesday in Texas. Yeah, get down, get funky in Texas. Buck those Broncos. Oh boy. So, it's uh, it's December here in the real world, and I, and I really wanted to talk about something December-based, and uh, I've already done December to dismember, so uh, why not? This Tuesday in Texas. Now, this is a legendary pay-per-view event. Um, why is it legendary? It's infamous, if you will. Well, why is it infamous, if you will? Well, I'll tell you, folks, the balls on the World Wrestling Federation to tell the fucking kidsters out there in America in 1991 that another pay-per-view was coming, and uh, it was just a week away, so make sure your parents know about it. I mean, seriously, what's the end game here? Why do, uh, it's my understanding that the World Wrestling Federation was curious if there were other opportune days out there to get people to purchase pay-per-views. And they landed on Tuesday, but they landed on Tuesday with one week worth of build. Seriously? This is what, this is, this is how you want to test your new product with a week's worth of build? You know, McDonald's doesn't just willy-nilly roll out the McDonald's pizza. They test it across the fucking country in various market locations. And then, if it works, they release it to the masses. No, no, let's just cut out the fucking hype phase and just, you know, leave it be. You know, it was evident that people would purchase pay-per-views not on Sunday. I purchased SummerSlams on Mondays. I purchased Royal Rumbles on Saturdays. I would have purchased uh, this Tuesday at Texas. And I did! God love my parents. They somehow agreed to let me... Because we had to go old school to the fucking Time Warner Cable location and get a fucking box, like a wood panel box, and plug it into the wall, plug it into the TV to get pay-per-view shit. So it's not as if you had the interactive button system, as they would later call it in the WWF. You couldn't just press a button and order it. You had to jump through hoops. And you had to jump through hoops during the Thanksgiving-ish holiday week. So, it was doomed to not work. But, hey, who gives a shit about the rest of you uh, fucking jabronis out there? I saw the pay-per-view. I had it on tape. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? No, I, but at least it's available to the masses now on the WWE Network. And, and what a fucking show to produce because... A promised return is here, and it's going to happen for all of us here on the new TDM. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, So it is December 3rd, 1991, just a week after Survivor Series, and we're in the Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. What a name for this pay-per-view also. This Tuesday in Texas. It kind of sounds like a showdown. Oh, we're going to have a root dude showdown between some cowpoke and some uh, bad guys. Yes, we are. This Tuesday in Texas at high noon. Yeah, why not just do the pay-per-view at high noon, Vince? But this was a Superstars or Wrestling Challenge taping that was already on the books. So it's not like they had to do a whole lot to prepare, except they did have to prepare their audience, and uh, I don't know if they did. But they certainly dangled some big shit in front of us. So much that we start with previously 
on the Survivor Series. Mean Gene Okerlund finds The Undertaker and Paul Bear in the bowels of the Joel Lewis Arena. Joel, Joel, I said. Joel Lewis Arena. Uh, Undertaker and Paul Bear, you can't be pleased. The President Jack Tunney has ordered a rematch for the WWF Championship that you will be defending against the immortal Hulk Hogan this Tuesday in Texas. Oh, Mr. Okerlund, nothing is immortal. Hulkamania died this evening, and normally, when you die, you have your funeral pretty quickly, so you don't get stinky, and you don't look shitty for your family, but we're going to embalm Hulkamania, and make sure it doesn't get stinky and smelly, and we will hold the burial services this Tuesday in Texas, but oh, the stench, it pleases me, what do you have to say, Mark? I'll tell you what I have to say, Paul Bear. I will enlighten you to the fate of Hulkamania. Mean Gene Okerlund, if you would please look in the coffin, I'm going to lift the lid. Undertaker does lift the coffin lid, and we've got a coffin cam, because there's a camera in the coffin. Look at the fate of Hulkamania. Mean Gene does peek his head over the coffin. And you know what? Mean Gene simultaneously gasps and holds in a laugh. We can't do another take on this one, Gene. But I don't know what's in the coffin. Nobody does because we transition to live in the arena. It's Tuesday in Texas. Will history be made in San Antonio this Tuesday in Texas? Gorilla says, it's time for this Tuesday in Texas. Like it carries all the name cachet or the panache of WrestleMania. Like, yes, this Tuesday in Texas, you should all be excited because we always have this Tuesday in Texas and this one's going to be a humdinger just like the others. No, it doesn't work that way, Gorilla. But it is, thank God, Gorilla and Bobby on the call. There's so much talk about funeral-related nonsense. Now, I know we just had the gravest challenge, but it's the, it's the wake of Hulkamania, Monsoon. Well, you think the immortal Hulk Hogan fans are hoping for a reincarnation brain? What's that? I can't hear you. There's worms in my ears because it's a funeral. I, I can't hear you, Monsoon. Uh, also, tonight, aside from the big rematch for the WWF Championship, the Macho Man Randy Savage is being reinstated after his career was obliterated at the hands of the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 7. Couldn't even make it a year, but that's okay. That match still fucking rules. And it does feel like what's so interesting about the Savage retirement, and that's not what this show is about, but it, even though it didn't last that long, Savage goes through such a transformation from the ending of that match to this moment. It feels like he's been gone for years because uh, heel Macho Man was forced into retirement. He's been faced for months, but as a commentator and as just a personality. So it feels like he's still retired since that main event uh, back in February before WrestleMania Five. Like we still haven't had a face Macho Man. And that's what's so unique about it. It's not like when Fo- well, Foley's a bad example, but some of these coming out of retirement things, they just don't feel like anything's really changed. It felt like Savage had fucking changed. Now, it will be a one-on-one match between Savage and Jake. President Jack Tunney has laid down a ruling. No reptiles will be allowed in the vicinity of the corner of a Jake the Snake Roberts during an confrontation between Macho Man Randy Savage and Jake the Snake Roberts. If reptiles are discovered in a devenomized state, they will be sent to the backstage of the arena. If reptiles are discovered in a venomized state, they will be taken to a local facility and terminated at the expense of Jake the Snake Roberts to be paid in no less than four installments over a 365-day period. If the four installments over a 365-day period is not met, the interest rate will reflect a 29.99 APR nature. If the 29.99 APR nature is not valid in a state in which Jake the Snake Roberts resides in a permanent residence, residency will be determined by a coin flip. If the coin flip is deemed inconclusive, we will play guess the number. If guess the number is inconclusive, Jake the Snake Roberts will be forced to terminate himself in a suicide nature. Now, let's get back to ringside. Well, President Jack Tony with a unique ruling, but brain, it sounds fair to me. What? I didn't hear it, Monsoon. I I didn't hear it, Monsoon. But yeah, all kinds of action this Tuesday in Texas. All kinds of shenanigans and big storylines happening. The Undertaker is the World Wrestling Federation champion. Uh, We'll get to see him drag the belt out later. We'll save that, though. But I hear some music. And we hear a huge, squealy girl pop. 
which is fine. But here comes the Intercontinental Champion. And so, Gorilla declares, let's kick it off with an Intercontinental Matchup! Already in the ring is the opponent for the Intercontinental Champion. It's Skinner, the Alligator Man! Oh, it's deafening in here, Brain! And it really is a consistent pop for Brett the Hitman Hart, who is the Intercontinental Champion that will be defending this Tuesday in Texas. It's pretty fairly obvious that Bret Hart is beloved. And this, I know I talk shit about Bret Hart a lot, okay? But this is a period of Bret Hart I can get behind. Because he's not delusional yet. So I'm okay with it. No big worries there at all. Uh, Gorilla lets us know that Skinner, the Alligator Man, for all intents and purposes, is undefeated here in the World Wrestling Federation. So we could see the title change hands. With that in mind, Brett kisses the belt. The bell rings, and here we go! This Tuesday in Texas! A big showdown between two gunfighters! It's the first matchup for the Intercontinental Championship. Brett the Hitman Hart defends against Skinner, the Alligator Man, who will fall to his little brother at WrestleMania, but that's neither here nor there. Now, right away, some real spooky stuff happens. Because I'm thinking in my head, Man, why is Skinner here taking on Bret Hart? And it's like Bobby the Brain Heenan can travel back in time and hear my thoughts because he says on Skinner, Well, he earned it or he wouldn't be in there. Bret Hart gives his glasses to a young lady at ringside that is the living embodiment of 1991. This glasses girl and her friendster absolutely lose their minds and I believe soil the entire front row. Somebody should issue a flash flood warning. Bobby the Brain Heated makes an amazing observation. Oh my goodness, bring her some oxygen! That bimbo's gonna faint! Skinner is called a roughneck from the Everglades that chews away on his chaw. Well, the man just likes to enjoy himself. It's a dirty, filthy habit. Recreational tobacco, uh, or who knows what it is, could be the bottom part of an alligator. The hitman works over Skinner with armbar. A leapfrog by Skinner, though, is ducked by the Hitman, and the Hitman hits Skinner with an atomic drop, and then an inverted atomic drop. Ouch! Skinner's not having any fun tonight. The brain is still a little sour that Bret Hart beat Mr. Perfect with luck. Gorilla will hear none of it. Luck and the Hitman just don't go together. But Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon start to talk about the unique brand of World Wrestling Federation action that we'll be seeing later on tonight. And Bobby lets us know what he's been hearing on the streets. I hear they're going to tear down the Alamo and build a fast food joint because all they're talking about is the World Wrestling Federation. Now, ladies and gentlemen, loyal listeners, if you will, you know by now that I always watch these shows with the closed captions on. Not only... Do they misquote Bobby the Brain Heenan here? But as you may or may not know, anytime someone says World Wrestling Federation or the word Federation in general, the closed captioning always swaps out the word Federation for entertainment. And when you combine that with the misquoting of Bobby the Brain Heenan, here's what Bobby said according to our errant closed captioner. I hear they're going to tear down the Alamo and build a fast food joint because all they're talking about is the little wrestling entertainment. You know, little wrestling entertainment that's just coming to town. What are you saying, Brad? Well, I'm sorry. I, I can't hear you, Monsoon. I, I can't hear you. Brett is still in control back in the ring. And according to Bob, he's leading on points. They're still talking about what's to come, which should tell you how good this match is. Skinner for some reason, is the heel in peril as he's trying to reach the ropes from this arm bar, but he does. We get a good shot of Skinner's alligator claw hanging on the uh, ringside post. This starts a conversation. What is that? I believe that's the left parthesis of an alligator. Will you be serious? Well, you asked me. Okay, it's the right one. Are you happy? Looks like something the cat dragged in. Parthesis, of course, is a sentence that uses parentheses to include additional information, such as, uh, I don't know, uh, Johnny C, in his print, and then in parentheses, and his right hand, had a tremendous night of unique brand of entertainment. See, it works just like that. Now, Skinner takes control of this intercontinental confrontation with an eye poke. 
Gorilla uses this as an opportunity to mock the man's lifetime journey. You know, everything that is this man's life. Everything that's led him to this moment. Skinner certainly doesn't have a whole lot of money tied up in ring attire, does he? Hitman is tossed into the post shoulder first. Well, it seems academic at this point. I think we've got a new Intercontinental Champion coming our way. But uh, Bobby wants to, to talk more about Skinner's lifelong journey. And he lets us know that Skinner doesn't actually live in a home. He lives in the Everglades with all the animals, and he stays in a sleeping bag. You mean he's too cheap to buy a place, Brain? I'll tell you what, Gorilla Monsoon must sleep on a mattress stuffed with cash, because holy shit, he is all over those that are less fortunate. Skinner the Alligator Man, however, is all over the shoulder of Brett the Hitman Hart. He locks in an abdominal stretch, and he legally holds the ropes for some additional leverage. Gorilla, as he's to do, lets us know the move isn't actually set up and locked in correctly. Skinner breaks the hold and brings Bret Hart in close to whisper something into his ear. Well, that seems strange, but uh, I guess I'll allow it. Skinner hits a shoulder breaker. Shades of the blue chipper, Rocky Maivia. One, two, no. Brett fights back and gets Skinner down. He goes to the middle ropes for an elbow, but oh no. Skinner in tune with the red, or the web of animals and animal life, which is a superpower held by the DC Comics character Animal Man, plays Possum. So yeah, all that to say Skinner's playing Possum because he's in tune with the the red, which is the uh, element of life. You know what? Fuck you. I like comic books. The Alligator Man... Grabs the alligator Parthesis and nails the assassin for hire. And then, ew, we get a close-up of Skinner's spitting can. Gross. You know, I did dip one time. I swallowed the dip. I threw up the dip. As I said, I did dip one time. Some sadistic choking now by the skinster, and he's laughing into the camera. Well, he at least has his character work down. And, oh, no... Brett the Hitman Heart gets tossed. Sternum first into the buckle. Who's all that coming? Brain says, well, that's going to injure his shoulder a lot more. Skinner works the leg. <laughs> At least I'll give them this. Gorilla and Bobby openly mock Skinner's intelligence, but Bobby turns it back around and starts to slightly defend. You know, he might be taking him apart piece by piece. First goes the wing, then the hoof, then the tail. What are you talking about? You're talking to me? Yes! I'm giving you a biology lesson. Didn't you ever dissect a frog? Biology one, huh? The title is an even greater jeopardy because, oh no, the skitter hits what Gorilla calls patented neckbreaker by Skinner, but a nonchalant cover. One, two, no. Skinner is up on the second turnbuckle. He leaps, but oh no, he eats defeat and staggers around the ring like a clown. The hitman is up. He does his five moves of doom. Bobby thinks the only defense left for Skinner is to break the rules. Skinner, you want to be hip? Get to the dip! (laughs) So Bobby is proposing some sort of illegal mist-based strike with the tobacco, I presume? But oh no, Skinner hits a roll up, but he's kicked outside. Brett follows, and it's an all-out brawl. Skinner is in control, gets back in the ring. Goes to suplex Brett from the apron. Brett counters. Skinner shakes him off. Skinner goes upstairs yet again, but Brett catches him and tosses him off like Ric Flair. He walks towards the man's legs. He grabs them. Sharpshooter! The sharpshooter is locked in. He turns it over. Bobby! Makes the call. No! Oh! Skinner's undefeated! The bell rings. Oh, no, he's not! Skinner has given up! Brett the Hitman Hart is still your intercontinental-based champion. Now, it's not exactly the most entertaining piece of work, okay? I'll, I'll be polite and give them two stars, but... If you include the commentary, it's an easy four stars. Like, Bobby and Gorilla are on fire here. I did not do them justice, and I did not include all of their shenanigans. Like, it's top-notch, listening-based entertainment. But right now, let's go to Sean Moody with the Snake Man. Oh, no. Sean lets us know there are no reptiles allowed at ringside, and he's seen the Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth, and they are pumped up to the max. Jake's response is amazing. So what? 
Jake the Snake then cuts an amazing promo that I can't do justice. I will say it includes the iconic line, You were drowning in the poison as a snake chewed your arm. For some time he did chew. I just love the, for some time he did chew. Uh, He also appears to be sexually aroused by Miss Elizabeth's fear. Okay, fair enough. Uh, But this is just the tip of the iceberg for the snakester. We'll get into a little bit more as the evening moves on. Trust me. Okay? Trust me. Mean Gene is with the Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth in the This Tuesday in Texas interview area, complete with a new logo. Well, they were able to produce that rather quickly. It appears that getting reinstated into the wars of the World Wrestling Federation is a big feather in the cap of the Macho Man. And the Macho Man took that big feather and put it right into the hat he's wearing. My word, it is really fucking big. He tosses his glasses to the side early in the promo. It looks like the veins in his skull are ready to pop. Yeah, trust you. Oh, no. You could have rushed from Elizabeth's fear. Huh? Feared my wife's eyes. Trust him, huh? Yeah, you better not trust me. Basically, he is going to get a rush like Jake. So his whole promo is basically, uh, I don't trust you obviously, but you get a rush from the fear. I'm going to get a rush after I murder you in the ring and look into Elizabeth's eyes and feel love. Oh, that's sweet. But we hear some music playing in the background. Trust me. Savage hears the theme. Sounds like a date with destiny. Trust me. Yeah. He sprints away. Liz is all like, Randy. And she pursues. We head back into the arena. Jake the Snake is about three quarters down the aisle. And fuck me sideways. The feather, you can see it a mile away. Randy Savage is here. He attacks from behind to a massive pop. The bell rings and oh my god. Here we go. Match number two. It's happening right now. Jake the Snake Roberts versus the reinstated Macho Man Randy Savage. Savage is a rabbit animal out there. The crowd is engulfed in flames. It's so hot. He's still wearing the hat and jacket. He beats the shit out of Jake on the outside, throws him into the post, rolls Jake into the ring. Savage enters, still wearing the hat and jacket. Savage goes up top, still wearing the hat. He hits a massive double axe hammer. He tosses the jacket off. He tosses the hat off. Oh, Jake bails to the outside, but oh no. Savage pursues, and the snake man is on Dream Street. Uh, J- Jake gets the shit kicked out of him outside, tossed back in. Macho comes in, and referee Earl Hebner gets in his face like, Hey, you gotta calm down, man. You gotta calm down. Hey, you wanna buy any merchandise out of my truck? Uh, but Jake sees that the ref is in front of the Macho Man, and he crawls towards Randy, takes advantage with a cheap gut shot when Savage is defenseless. And then Jake grabs Randy by the hair with just one hand and tosses him over the top rope like a sack of shit. Now, I'm not saying that to say that Savage is a sack of shit, but he manhandles him over the top. It's glorious. It's a wonderful visual. And Savage lands hard on the floor. Jake slithers to the outside. That's right. He fucking slithers. He gets down on his chest and crawls out backwards. Don't tell me he didn't slither. Don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. Anywho, uh, Randy is trying to get back inside, but the snake stops him, tosses him headfirst into the post. Turnabout's fair play. uh, Jake notices that Randy has a bandage on the snake arm. Well, the the arm that the snake bit a couple weeks ago on Superstars. And now Jake starts slamming that arm into the post. Ouch. The referee is all over this like, Randy, you want to quit? You want to quit? No, I don't want to quit. Jake and Randy re-enter the ring. Jake stalks Savage, hits a big inverted atomic drop, and continues to work the bitten arm, ripping the bandage off even. Looks like we've even got a little blood coming from the wound. He hits it, uh, he locks in a hammerlock, which honestly wouldn't really matter, but given the story of the match, ouch. Randy fights back with elbow strikes, but Jake is still in control. Jake Irish whips Randy. Jake puts his head down. A kick by Randy, but Randy's arm is still throbbing, and Jake is able to clear the cobwebs and remain in control. It's glorious. Short clothesline attempt. No! Randy ducks, 
hits with an elbow, a double reverse Irish whip sends Jake into the corner. However, this double reverse Irish whip is glorious because Earl Hebner is standing in the corner that Jake's about to land in. And right before Jake clobbers him, Earl hears the advice that a large talking rabbit once gave him. And indeed, Earl Hebner, do a barrel roll! He does a barrel roll and saves his own life. Jake counters with a big boot as Savage charges. And then hits the short clothesline and a beauty. Oh no, I smell the DDT. At this moment, Jake the Snake climbs the middle turnbuckle while Randy's down. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Is he going to leap? He should do the DDT. Oh no. Jake climbs the middle rope so every motherfucker in the Freeman Coliseum, including troubleshooting referee Chuck Doris, who won't even be there for another three years. Jake on the buckle signals with the spinning finger that the DDT is coming. What a brilliant move by heel Jake the Snake Roberts. I can't think of any time when he was a babyface when he engaged in these levels of theatrics. Doing it as a heel is fucking glorious and a genius move by the Snake Man. The DDT is coming. It's locked in, but oh no! Randy rams Jake into the buckle. The Snake Man's ribs may have been broken. He's down on the apron, pleading for relief from the pain. Randy goes up top. Flying elbow! One, two, three! He got him! What a sprint! Now the crowd is absolutely banana, but I do hear some booing. I think maybe, pray tell, they wanted Randy to get some more revenge, and I understand that completely. It's a fantastic match, though. It's only like six minutes, maybe just a little bit over five. Still, it's easily worth like three to three and a half. I don't really know what to tell you. However, the presentation of Jake the Snake Roberts, the Macho Man Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth is not complete. Let's talk about the post-match. Randy Savage is happy that he's victorious, but uh, he wants to hurt the Snake Man a little bit more. He heads outside and grabs a chair. A ringside official takes it. All right, fine. Savage goes and gets the ring bell. Shades of Steamboat. Uh, Everybody really wants him to do it, including Gorilla Monsoon and the crowd, and me, to be honest with you. Gorilla's all like, 20,000 fans on their feet! It's more like 9,000, but you know what? It feels like 20, because the camera is shaking. Randy lifts Jake the Snake Roberts. As he does this, Earl sees the opportunity, that being Earl Hebner, to grab the ring bell so Randy can't use it as a weapon. Randy lifts Jake completely up. Earl and Randy play tug-of-war with the bell. Jake seizes the opportunity, and shades of Randall Orton, DDT, out of nowhere. Now, Jake is still a little woozy, though. He's got his face buried in the buckle trying to clear the cobwebs. Savage is woozy after the DDT, but he's coming around. There's a huge macho chant. Savage is up first, but much like someone who's about to receive a Mortal Kombat fatality, he's kind of out on his feet. Jake, like a horror movie villain, grabs onto the ropes and lifts himself completely vertical. It's beautiful. Jake stalks his prey. DDT number two. Now, Jake is in Macho's face, and and he must have like an adrenaline surge because he is alive. He's alive and well, and he's at basically full strength. The ref's like, get out of here, Jake, get out of here, it's over. You want to buy some shirts out of my car? Get out of here, it's over. Jake takes a seat on the middle rope, pretty cool, and he kind of slithers out. He's got his arms up in the air like, Okay, fine, I hear ya. I'll go to the back, referee. Jake walks, but then pauses in the aisle, and a satanic smile comes over the face of the snake man. The brain can feel it. He's not done! He's not done yet! Don't touch that dial! Don't leave the television set! Jake brings the cameraman to the corner of the ring and starts to talk to him. He's pointing at the corner of the ring, and he's like, I gave you my word, Tony. It never was there. He lifts up the ring skirt. And damn you! Damn you and your understanding of legal documents, Jake Roberts! Damn you to hell! Because the snake bag was under the ring the entire time. 
but you know what? It's fine. I'm sure Jake wouldn't dare press President Jack Tunney any further. He'll just leave the bag under there, right? Right? Will somebody alert the Statue of Liberty Security Force? Because we've got a cobra, 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 cobra. Jake has the bag and he's entering the ring. Miss Elizabeth, much like the RKO, out of nowhere, she's here. You better get him out of there, toots, yells the brain. Liz, seeking or uh, feeling that Randy's in danger, forms a protective cocoon over the macho man. Uh, stop it! Stop! She begs. She's begging, and you know what? She's not bad here. She's actually really fucking good. Jake gets down on her face. Do you love him? Do you love him? Stop! Please! Please! Jake is now just openly laughing. Come on, Randy, please! Randy is trying to get up. Jake is actually begging Randy to stand like, Come on! Get up! Get up! Randy is up. Liz is up. Jake grabs Randy. Look at him! Look at him! DDT Part 3! It knocks Savage all the way back to 1885. Liz enters cocoon form yet again. Jake unties the cobra bag. He has the glove. He places it on his hand. Do you love him, Elizabeth? Do you love him? Please! Beg! Please! Beg, damn it! You want to save his ass, you better start begging now. He's nothing. Look at him. He's nothing. Miss Elizabeth begs. You know what? He makes me sick, but you make me sick. Jake the Snake Roberts grabs Miss Elizabeth by the hair. They're standing now. The crowd is frightened. Jake the Snake Roberts slugs Miss Elizabeth. Oh my God in heaven. He should be suspended for life! (laughs) Okay, what is that? What did I just do? No, like, this moment is glorious. Now, obviously, I'm not advocating man-on-woman violence, but given the confines of this entertainment-based spectacle, Jake punches Liz, Gorilla yells, He should be suspended for life! And then someone in the crowd has an air horn, and they bop it right as Gorilla finishes a sentence. So it's this, Punch, suspended for life! Her. It's just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why, but it just makes it all the better. More referees are here now, including on the take, Jack Tunney. Jake, upon seeing Tunney, goes right over to him, puts the bag in his face, and says, "There's no snake in this bag." I know. I never caught that. I don't remember that. That's fucking genius. 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 Speaking of genius, this is an all-time segment. Savage is getting medical attention in the ring. Liz is up and appears to be okay. So our commentary team debates the ethics of slugging a Miss Elizabeth. Don't you think he should be barred forever for striking Elizabeth? That's not my decision. Elizabeth's face swelling even as we speak. Wait till the macho man finds out what happened. Savage is carried to the back. Mean Gene has the snake man for an interview. As soon as we cut to this interview, Jake is shaking me, Gene, by the shoulders. Congratulate me, Gene, huh? Congratulate me! Jake the Snake Roberts hitting a woman! How could you? A woman? No man wants a woman that would beg and grovel. If it's a woman I want, I want her to stand up and be what I want. Did I slap her? Yeah, I did. I'll slap myself. I'll slap you, Gene Okerlund. The best feeling I've ever had in my life, man. Man, when I grabbed your woman, it felt so good. It felt so good. I should have to pay for it. Now, I'm just I'm paraphrasing Jake here. Just fucking watch it. Or listen to Aaron George's fantastic limited series, The Wrestle That Was, over on the Play... Or, not the Play Foundation. North South Connection Podcast Network, where he covered Jake. Because, holy fuck. It's amazing. I don't want it. I, I feel like if I do the impression of it, you're going to think I'm mocking it, and I'm not. I'm loving it. I want to blow this promo. Yeah, I said it. It's that good. I'm reversing my earlier three-star ruling, and I'm going to include the entire presentation of the saga of this Tuesday at Texas, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Jake the Snake, Miss Elizabeth, and to a lesser extent, President Jack Tunney, and to an even lesser extent, the Cobra! I'm giving this five stars of entertainment. It's over. Bar none. I'll hear no objections. The jury has decided we're done. Thank you, Jake. 
Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Liz. Thank you to a lesser extent, Jack Tunney, and to a lesser extent, the Cobra. Let's just head back to the arena and see what else this Tuesday at Texas has to offer. Back inside the arena, the Warlord is already standing in the ring with Harvey Wibble. Where's the Slickster, man? When did Slick vanish? I like the Slickster. His opponent from Leeds, England, the British Bulldog. The feud that never ends, Warlord and Bulldog. Now, the Bulldog is definitely on a bit of a hot streak here because just two months ago, on October 3rd, Mean Girls Day, it's October 3rd, the British Bulldog won the coveted Samovar Trophy. We were there! Now, I know October 3rd is sacred in the modern era because it's Mean Girls Day, and I get it. I love Mean Girls. I wish everybody a happy Mean Girls Day. But let's make each other a promise. Moving forward, every October 3rd, when you wish your friends and family a happy Mean Girls Day, don't forget to also wish them a happy Samovar Day as well. And is the British Bulldog in death still the Samovar Trophy champion? Well, I don't know. Did he lose it? Did they unite the Samovar Cup and the Kuwaiti Cup together when Ahmed and Bulldog feuded in 96? I don't know. Gorilla and Bobby can't stop talking about what just happened. I don't blame them. Bobby is so out of sorts, he admits that even he didn't think Jake was that sadistic and accidentally calls him Jake the Roberts, which is kind of cool. It's the Dread Pirate Jake the Roberts, Tony. The bell rings and we're officially underway for match three. The British Bulldog taking on the Warlord. The Samovar Trophy is not on the line here, so the lineage of the Bulldog continues. It's a power lockup and a push-off by the Warlord. The Warlord poses. Texas boos. I would kill to see the receipts for the prescriptions that these guys are having. I mean, they are absolutely fucking huge. It's like watching two gods fight. You know, if gods were bloated and, you know, didn't really do anything except pose, and that's fine. Where were these guys when the WBF formed, huh? Huh? You think Davey Boy Smith and the Warlord could have teamed up to take on Gary Stridham? Look at Gary! Look at him go! What was the name of fucking Vince's uh, partner on WBF Buddies? Was it Kumiko? Oh no, that's from Karate Kid 2. Was it Kimko? No, that sounds vaguely racist. Kimo! I don't know, it was some girl with a K. Kiko! Kimo! Kitos! No, that's the sub shop back in my hometown. You know what? Fuck it! I don't care! I don't know what her name was. Who cares about the WBF? I didn't bring it up. You brought it up. The Warlord takes a break from the action to talk to Dr. Harvey Whippleman. The Doc advises a test of strength will suffice. Uh, Davy Boy agrees, and here we go with the test of strength. Oh, no, though. Warry kicks low, and the British Bulldog fights back. Warlord goes for another kick. The Bulldog trips Warry. Two clotheslines from Leeds, England, sends the Warlord over the top. The British Bulldog, God in heaven, does a planche! Top rope, Suicida! The Warlord catches him and rams him into the post. My God, though, the British Bulldog was high as a kite. When he leaped over the top rope. What on this Tuesday in Texas? Wait, no, who said it? Bobby. What on this Tuesday in Texas? Well, it's technically the name of the pay-per-view. Uh, doesn't quite roll off the tongue and have the gravitas as a What a WrestleMania! What a SummerSlam! But, you know, it's there. Ten rams to the turnbuckle for the Warlord. And then a missile drop kick finds the mark. Jesus, the Bulldog is so high when he comes off the top rope. Another clothesline from Leeds ties up the Warlord in the ropes. Ten illegal fist by Davy Boy Smith. Davy Boy backs off, picks up some steam. He leaps at the Warlord, but Harvey Whippleman unties Warlord from the ropes, and the British Bulldog racks himself on the toppest of the ropes. And you know what? That's the exact same thing happened to the British Bulldog at the Wrestling Classic pay-per-view because I was forced to review Davy Boy versus Ricky Steamboat for the Cronoso Project, the North-South Connection podcast uh, feed. And you know what? That match ended due to dick trauma. Will this match see the same fate? No, it will not. It's obvious the British Bulldog used to do a lot of riding. Side saddle, of course. Big back body drop by the Warlord. At ringside, Harvey Whippleman tries to light a cigar and blow smoke into the camera, but it just won't light, so he yells instead. A bear hug now by the Warlord. 
The British Bulldog fights out, and a gut-wrench suplex, though, sends Davy Boy back down. The Warlord's wasting time! Well, he knows the Bulldog's an Englishman. He's a quitter. Let me give you a history lesson. He knows he can take his time and tear him apart. The Warlord puts his head down, and a pile driver... No! Back body drops. Sunset flip. The Warlord is teetering. The Warlord sits on the British Bulldog. The Bulldog reverses. One, two, no. Woof. What a fast-paced sequence by these guys. A clothesline from parts unknown sends the British Bulldog down hard. Is the patented full Nelson coming? Yes! Oh, look at that, though. Brain fingers not locked in. Don't worry about it. It's close enough. When you're wrestling a limey, it doesn't count. Don't get the referee in there. Check the arms. It's over. How do you check the arms in a full Nelson? You know, let me signal my man. Yoo-hoo! Ring the bell! Ring the bell! He's got his hands in the air, Brain. Well, if he didn't have hair like Whoopi Goldberg, he'd be in better shape. Come on, flip it! Flip that handle! Ring the bell! Davy Boy fights out, and in a glorious reversal, the Bobby the Brain Heenan now thinks the Warlord is at a disadvantage with the full Nelson not fully locked in. You know, it's not fair! Uh, he's got all that hair! The Warlord can't get it locked in right! Davy is close to getting out of the full Nelson, but finally, the Warlord just throws him down like garbage. It's pretty funny. He's out! He quit! We got a winner here! <laughs> Bring out the flea and tick spray! Time to give him a bath. He's tamed. Will you be serious? Davy Boy fights back with a second rope clothesline, a big delayed vertical suplex, and a beauty! One, two, no. Warlord is whipped into the quarter. A running clothesline from the leadsman. The bulldog lifts Warlord for the slam, but the Warlord is hanging on to the ropes, and he falls on top of Davy Boy Smith. One, two, no. Irish whip by to Warlord. Oh no, crucifix! One, two, three, long live the queen! It's over! And not a moment too soon, because as soon as Bulldog has his hand raised, he exits the ring and puts his head on the mat. He is gassed. He's out of it, folks. Fully. But uh, we're not out of it yet fully. In fact, let's go to the back to talk to Sean Mooney. Sean is at the This Tuesday in Texas interview area with the macho man Randy Savage. Randy immediately tells Sean to shut up! But Macho Man, I'm just as upset as you are. Degraded! Degraded. Elizabeth Snake degraded her. I'll never forgive myself. It's the worst day of my life. He punches himself. Shades of Mick Foley. It's my fault. It's my fault. Now, the camera work here is worth pointing out. The camera goes down low, and it's shooting a uh, Savage as he's crouched over. We, you can actually see the top of the This Tuesday in Texas backdrop, but the director don't care, and neither do I. Normally, in these Federation-era things, it's like a sin to reveal that like the payphone area or the interview area is fake, but not here. Uh, Savage says, He's going to get him. I'm going to get him. There'll be no stopping. Trust me. You can't stop me. He didn't even get a piece. I didn't even get a piece. Oh, I blame myself! Savage is just now laying down on the ground, and you can see over to the side that the backdrop doesn't continue. It's just a stage, man. It's just a dark arena back there. But again, the director doesn't care because we're getting the shot that we need. I'm going to get you. I'm begging. You made her big. You ain't seen nothing yet. It ain't over. It ain't even started. I'm going to get you. Yeah. Now get out of here. Back to ringside. Damn. This is going to be a bigger war than Desert Storm, Monsoon! <laughs> money, 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 money! Here comes Ted DiBiase with a sensational sherry and the Repo Man. Looks like Ted DiBiase is now once again in possession of the Million Dollar Championship. I guess he beat Virgil for it? I don't know yet because Gorilla and Bobby are still talking about Jake and Randy, and hey, rightfully so. Here come their opponents, though, and oh my, it's El Matador, Tito Santana, and V.I.R. G.I.L. Oh, oh, here we go. Bobby gives us the scoop on the million-dollar belt situation. It seems like Ted hired the Repo Man to get the belt back, and during a match between Ted and Virgil, Repo hit Virgil with the belt, and Ted got the pin. You know... I love Sensational Sherry. Like, I really do. I really, really do. But her and Ted were a combination that never worked out for me. I don't have a ton of exposure. They don't show up on pay-per-view together a lot. 
So let's see if she does anything for me here. Hey, Monsoon! Is everything you own paid for? Why? Because the Repo Man may be stalking you. Oh, please! Looks like we're ready to get going with match number four, Ted and the Reapster versus Virgil and El Matador. Truly a main event anywhere in the country. The brain is furious that Tito is helping out Virgil, because Virgil, after all, is just a thief. Just a reminder, as the camera pans out, we're live from San Antonio, still to come, the first offense from The Undertaker with Jack Tony at ringside. Looks like Repo Man and Teets will start this one off. You're going to owe me some money, yells the Repo Man. Arm dragged by the Matador. You know, the Repo Man once repossessed a house from a 70-year-old couple that were unemployed for six months. He also repoed the Lone Ranger's mask, too. He owed Tonto 50 bucks. I'm just going to ignore you. Repo Man in trouble early when he gets caught in the wrong part of town. Come on, Repo, get it together, yells Sherry. (laughs) Sherry is great in this match. She's constantly yelling, Repo, Repo. Like, I just love that she calls him Repo. Come on, Repo Man. Sometimes it's Repo Man with just one syllable. Come on, Repo Man. Oh, listen to that loudmouth at ringside. You mean the beautiful, vivacious, sensational Sherry? Oh, when's your birthday? You can have her. <laughs> when's your birthday? You can have her. I think she's gorgeous. She's my centerfold. Repo gets tossed over the top rope, and then he sneaks to the other side of the ring. It's just such good character stuff. Look, it's stupid. It's dumb. But he just it's just like when he gets tossed out of the Rumble 92, and Bobby goes, Repo's out! Repo's out! As soon as Repo gets tossed, he just sneaks somewhere. That's what he does here. He sneaks the other side and tries to Pearl Harbor teats, but it doesn't work because you can't sneak up on a matador. Clothesline and a beauty by Teats. Ted's brought in, and the crowd wants Virgil something fierce. I'm not kidding. They are hot for Virg. Sherry disagrees that she's like, Shut up, crowd! Shut up! Okay, I acquiesce. Sherry fucking rules with Ted. I'm, I'm all for it. Virgil gets the tag. He flips in, so here we go. Ted's in control early, but a sunset by Virgil. Nope, now an atomic drop. And Ted DiBiase does his float over the top rope thing after the atomic drop. You know what I'm talking about, where he kind of grabs the ropes and floats himself over. Teets forces Ted back into the ring. Ted yells at Tito for this rule-breaking. And, oh my goodness, a running clothesline from Virgilville sends Ted 360 up and over! Teets again tosses DiBiase in. Virgil charges, but eats a DiBiase elbow. Repo Man, or Repo, is brought in and hits sneaky punches on Virgil. What's he sneaking around for? Well, that's his style, Monsoon! Illegal choking with the tag rope onto Virgil while the referee is distracted. Ted DiBiase's back in. We get some more double teaming. A nice fake tag by the Repo Man, and now he's beating on Virgil. And now another tag to t- Such continuity with this evil tag team. I like it. A gut wrench by Ted gets one, two, no. Ted puts his head down in the match. Big mistake, as my friend Jack Slater would say. And a neckbreaker delivered by the Virgster. Who could tag first, though? Repo is in, and now the power of a Reaperche is in full effect as Virgil makes a hot tag. Drop kicks and beauties, flying jalapeno. Ted gets nailed too. Tito is setting up for another flying forearm on the Reapster, but Ted trips him, and Repo Man sends him out over the top. Now the referee is a little distracted here. Ted and Sherry are able to double team Teets on the outside, ramming him into the steps and the post. He's rolled back in, but only a two-count, and Teets is now our face in peril. Tito fights against Ted and makes the tag, but the ref, he didn't see it. Oh, no! Repo Man illegally tags himself in, but a double clothesline sends both El Matador and the Reaps Man down for the count. Who can tag first? Well, guess what, kidsters? They both do! Ted Legal! Virgil legal! Virgil strikes with fists of subjugation and subordination! Side brush and leg sweep! One! Two! No! Everybody's in the ring now! It's mayhem! Sherry up on the apron with the woman's shoe! Oh no! She strikes DiBiase on accident! Virgil grabs Sherry by the face and drapes her over the ropes like he's gonna strike her! Strike her! 
Striker, 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 striker. It's an airplane too joke, by the way. Uh, the crowd's going crazy, but how is this any different from what Jake the Snake did? Virgil should be suspended for life! Repo, thank God, saves Sensational Sherry and knees Virgil in the gut. He falls down, Ted pins, one, two, three, got him! Well, at least justice prevailed. Seriously, though, not a bad little tag match. I'll give it three stars. It was a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, let's head to the back, folks, because Mean Gene is with the challenger. Well, after what happened last week, President Jack Tunney quick to book the rematch. This Tuesday in Texas. We are in Texas. This is Tuesday. Hulk Hogan, I want your thoughts. I, I want your thoughts. Now, it's a little obvious, yes. It is Texas. It is Tuesday. But I kind of love it. Hogan cuts a promo calling this the most beautiful day in Hulkmania history. We see footage of Flair and The Undertaker destroying Hogan at the Survivor Series. Hogan says, Look right there. It's like the shot heard around the world, dude. It's the start of a revolution. So grab your powder and grab your gun and report to General Washington, dude. Ric Flair, stand in my face. It's between me and The Undertaker. He, he then says about himself, You know, I'm Hulk Hogan, the designated hitman for the Hulkamaniacs. Bret Hart storms in, Hulk Hogan, I am the hitman of the Dub Dub F, and I'm on Lonesome Dove. What'd you ever do, Hulk Hogan? Bret Hart, dude, you're a bitch. Get out of my face. The title's coming back this Tuesday in Texas, so what are you going to do when Hulk Hogan buries you right here in Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yes, I added the Lonesome Dove Hitman start stuff, but I did not add the yeah, 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 because Hogan fucking spanks that horse and rides out to the sunset here in Texas on a pay-per-view basis. Back in the arena now. Bong. Bong. Here comes the Dub Dub F champion. It's beautiful seeing The Undertaker just dragging the belt like it's a piece of luggage or some sort of an Indiana Jones style whip at his side. I kind of love it. Not a ton of pomp and circumstance for The Undertaker, though. He just walks and enters the ring. He does get keyed as The Undertaker, World Wrestling Federation champion on the on screen graphics, so, bit of history there. Real American hits, and here comes the challenger. He rips the shirt as soon as he parts the curtain. The crowd is in a frenzy, by the way. He dives into the ring. Undertaker and Paul Bear stomp on Hulk Hogan. The bell rings. It's the main event. Match five for the World Wrestling Federation Championship with allegedly Jack Tunney at ringside, the Undertaker defending against Hulk Hogan. But you know what, folks? The match should already be over because the bell is rung and Paul Bear is still stomping on Hulk Hogan. So... I mean, it's over, right? No, it continues. Hulk Hogan stands up. Big double noggin knocker. Where the fuck is President Jack Tunney? Clothesline from Venice Beach, California. Sends The Undertaker into the corner. Hogan mounts the corner and The Undertaker. Hogan rips off his bandana and stuffs it in The Undertaker's mouth. And then he's just openly biting him in front of the referee. Ten punches in the corner. Finally, we see Jack Tunney is here. He's got a ringside chair with his glasses on. He looks like a doof. Inverted atomic drop by Hulk Hogan. But The Undertaker sits up. Well, don't worry. Hogan's got some more in his arsenal. He hits the clothesline from Hollywood. Undertaker staggers. Hogan goes for the body slam, but oh no. The Undertaker strikes him in the back. Hogan no-sells this. Goes for another slam, and hey... Why not? Just fucking slam The Undertaker just like that. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But you know what? I'm okay with it because The Undertaker just does his patented sit-up. Hulk Hogan tries to send him down when he hits the clothesline from Brooktini. And it works because The Undertaker goes flying over the top rope. It's truly a feel of pandemonium here in Texas on Tuesday. And I kind of love it. Undertaker, though, after the clothesline from Brooktini, lands on his feet. Paul Bear brings over the urn so the Undertaker can relish in the power of his ancestors. The Undertaker's pulled up by Hulk Hogan, but the Undertaker feels no pain, and so he yanks Hogan outside and takes control with pure strikes. Hogan is choked out on the outside by the Undertaker, clearly in front of the eyes of President Jack Tunney. Back in the ring, and folks get used to it! 
Because Mark applies a choke to Hulk Hogan. It lasts for some time. And Hogan's like, rah, 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 rah. Mark, what's that smell, dude? Hogan fights back, though. He's up, and he gets into the corner. But Mark locks in the choke. Rah, rah, dude. Rah. Bobby Heenan lets us know on commentary that he must have lived in Germany during World War II because he advises all the little Hulksters out there to burn your dolls, your shirts, and your toys because Hulkamania is dead. That was kind of a Bobby Heenan mix with Hulk Hogan, but I don't care. The Undertaker now locks in a chokehold. Eventually, Hogan fights out of the chokehold and rams the Undertaker into the buckle, but gets cut off when the Undertaker does his own version of a big boot. The Undertaker grabs the arm of the former champion. He walks the ropes. It's preschool and a beauty. You know, because he's so young. It's, it's, it's got to be preschool, right? Undertaker now in control with... Choke! God help me, though, the crowd is still into it. And I get it. It's been a hell of a night this Tuesday in Texas. Even the little shit was hot. It's so weird. We'll talk about it at the end. Back inside. Oh, no, wait. I lost my spot. Oh, notes. Why do I even take you? Okay. We're on the floor now, somehow. Hogan is fighting back, but the Undertaker throws Hogan into the post again in front of Jack Tunney. Back inside. Undertaker locks in. Ah, choke. Gorilla closet. A closet. Jesus Christ, what a day. Gorilla calls it, Claws on the face, brain! San Antonio is begging Hulk Hogan to fight back. During this claw to the face chokehold, there is an amazing cutaway to Paul Barrett ringside looking at his own hand and talking to himself. I don't even know if Paul knew he was on camera, but he's just like, Oh, here's the power of the hands choking the life of Hulkamania. My hands are your hands, Undertaker. My hands are small, I know, but they're not yours. They're my own. Yes. <laughs> Anywho, Hogan finally stands up, bounces off the ropes. No, no, I'm going to see slowing down because this is a big one. Hogan fights out of the choke and like sort of pulls Undertaker's hands apart from one another like he's breaking out of a test of strength, okay? Both men are free and they stare each other face to face. Hogan bounces off the ropes and runs toward the Undertaker. When they get to center ring, both men duck. Nobody throws a clothesline. Nobody throws a punch. Both men duck. Undertaker's like, oh, shit. He bounces off of the far side of the ropes to do something. And fuck me sideways. The Undertaker's foot gets caught on the little blue rope on the bottom. And he trips and thuds hard 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 wow this is a botch poor undertaker man he's supposed to be this dead machine and he just bites it thanks to the little blue rope wow hogan goes over and picks him up and he's like oh dude you okay dude even the brain yells what happened looks like the big guy tripped yeah that was bad it was really bad don't worry though they redo the spot which is a leaping clothesline from The Undertaker. Yikes, that could have been bad. Not only from Mark getting hurt, potentially, but Jesus Christ, it looked like it's just bad. It looks really bad for your monster to trip and fall on the tiny blue rope. Mark gets control of the arm yet again. He goes up top for middle school because you're graduating. But no, Hogan yanks him down and The Undertaker sits, the, sits up. Ric Flair is in the aisle. Now, folks, look, it's about to get chaotic. I'm sorry, but chaotic in a good way. I've, I've tried to summarize this best I can. Ric Flair is talking to Jack Tunney. Hulk is in the ring hulking up now, okay? The director doesn't know what to shoot, but in a good way, if you believe it or not. It actually, God help me, feels like true, real pandemonium that's not hyperbole. Hulk gently clotheslines the Undertaker over the top rope. It looks bad, but at least he's taking it easy on Mark. You know, still clearing the cobwebs. Hogan goes outside, grabs a chair, hits Ric Flair in the back. Ric Flair falls on top of President Jack Tunney. It, Flair's like, oh, Jack Tunney, you okay? That's despicable. He can't get away with that. 
The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan get back in the ring. Elbow City from the Hulkster, and Hulk's in center ring chopping and punching the Undertaker, trying to get him down. Undertaker's fighting back. Ric Flair stands up and starts to watch the match. Jack Tunney lays on the ground like a slug. It's his only defense. I rake by Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair is now standing on the apron with a steel chair. The referee is yelling at Ric Flair, actually tried to admonister him with a five count. What's that going to do, ref? Paul Bear is now yelling at the ref, so the ref is distracted. Flair holds the chair up. Hogan rams the Undertaker face first into the chair and then clotheslines Flair. And that rhymed and I didn't want it to. The ref, during all of this, is looking anywhere but what's happening in the ring. He goes back to Flair and administers another five count. Big boot by the Hulkster. Paul Bear is now up on the apron. Flair picks up Jack Tunney and sort of aims him at the ring. Like, look in there, Jack Tunney. Look what you're going to see. Woo! Taker pokes the eyes of Hulk Hogan. The referee is now looking at Ric Flair and Jack Tunney. The Undertaker holds Hulk Hogan so Paul Bear can hit him with the urn. But oh no, Hogan ducks and the Undertaker gets hit with the urn. Hulk Hogan takes the lid off of the urn. Now Flair is pointing, trying to wake Tunney up like, Look at the ring! Look at what you're going to see! Woo! It's really good timing. Hogan pours the Undertaker's ancestors into his fist and he throws them into the Undertaker's eyes. Schoolboy! One, two, three! We got a new champion! Oh my god! Is that even legal? And I'm not talking about the pitfall. Like, are you allowed to forcibly make someone inhale or swallow their ancestors' remains? Feels like it should be illegal. If 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 anywhere in Texas as well. Tunny is fucking all out of sorts, trying to talk to the referee about what happened. Is this even gonna stand monsoon? Hey Tunny! Hogan cheated! He cheated! Well, the referee's decision is final, Brian. No! Restart the match! Restart the match! Hogan wins title number four and poses. What a clusterfuck at the end. But really chaotic. Pay attention. Like, Attitude Era chaotic. And when you consider that the Attitude Era is so far away, and shit that happens there would never happen in the Federation Era, this chaotic clusterfuck ending that's very entertaining to watch because all the dominoes fall at different places at different times this amount of cluster really justifies Tony stripping Hogan of the title and setting up the Rumble 92 I mean it really does kudos to all involved for creating a spectacle every performer the guys working the camera the director calling the shots they really made it feel like a special spectacle if that's even a thing the match itself Eh, but the crowd was always into it, and that's always going to help win me over. I'll give the match wrestling two stars, but a three-and-a-half-star experience by far. And Spectacle is absolutely the name of the game this Tuesday in Texas because Hogan poses and walks the aisle, and we're out of here. The show's only an hour and 33 minutes long, so I kind of apologize for the short podcast, but, you know, it is what it is. It's still a lot of fun to talk about. Even shorter than a random in-your-house it was. But two of five matches, two title defenses, two big main events, being Jake, Savage, Hogan, and Taker, and two absolute spectacles. The Jake Savage stuff, the entire thing, once they show up on camera until they leave, it's a spectacle. Even the post-match interviews. Taker and Hogan, a different type of spectacle. The Savage Jake stuff is all-time spectacle. The Hogan Taker stuff is a very unique spectacle given the time in which it takes place. You know... My buddy Keithy Langston over at the Multiverse of Fabulousness on the North-South Connection Podcast Network reminded me when we were doing Spooky Slam 91. If you don't know what that is, listen to it. It's there. Happened on uh, Halloween-ish. He reminded me that 1991 is often considered or called the mini-attitude era or the prototype for the attitude era. And fuck me sideways, this show is it. If you want a fucking history lesson, watch this show. Look, I don't normally do this. Like, this isn't a, a... TNN podcast thing, but I'm giving this pay-per-view my stamp and seal of approval and highest recommendations. You gotta see this if you've never seen it. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Like, it's a show totally worth watching. Hour and a half, you're in and out. 
And if nothing else, if you only want to slightly pay attention during the non-important matches, the commentary's fucking great. Alright, Gorilla and Bobby, their next pay-per-view is Rumble 92, so they're at the fucking peak of their powers. All-time fucking show. I love the show. I, I had... What I... I did not expect to be giving this soliloquy here at the end. I fucking love this show. This is an all-timer. I can see this becoming quickly becoming something to throw on and ignore when Johnny C's got to clean the house. This has really risen in the ranks. Big, big ups to the WWF 1991 December crew. Big ups from Johnny C. Big ups from Taz and Joey Numbers and everybody here at the new TNN podcast feed. And speaking of the new TNN podcast feed, you know it was coming. You need to subscribe, write a review, Tell somebody about it. Let them share in the enthusiasm and fun that we have here on the new TNN podcast feed. But that's going to do it for us this Tuesday in Tejas. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you, and we are pop. Trust me. Trust me.